This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note. All myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Irish traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Queen Maeve of Connacht had long hated King Conchobar and his land, the kingdom of Ulad. Now, she was on the verge of invading the kingdom and destroying all he held dear. But her strongest warrior, Ferdia, refused to join his fighting brethren. Prepare your armor, soldier. We leave for Ulad in the morning. I cannot go, my queen. I swore an oath that I cannot break. What oath? I fought on Scottok's battlefield with Cúchulain, Ulad's greatest warrior. He is my brother in arms, and I shall not raise my blade against him. So you would rather see your own countrymen die than fight your enemy? I do not wish for them to die, but I... Quiet! Either you will march with us to war, or you will march alone to a jail cell. To fight Cúchulain would be like placing a chain on my soul. I'd rather a chain be clasped upon my body. My guards will escort you to the dungeon. And Ferdia, when my men slay your precious Cúchulain, I'll be sure to bring you his rotting corpse to keep you company. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today, we're continuing the story of Irish hero Cúchulain, a fearsome warrior in the ancient Irish kingdom of Ulad. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. 
And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. Kukulin and his wife, Emer, returned to Ulad from their honeymoon, expecting to find a peaceful kingdom in which they could continue their lives together. Unfortunately, as they came across the kingdom's borders, they found that all the soldiers guarding their home were writhing on the ground, racked with pain, screaming as if they were in labor. What's wrong with you, man? What's happened here? Kukulin, their eyes are blank. As if they aren't really here. I think they've been bewitched by some terrible magic. Only Maeve would be capable of this sort of evil. You don't think... She's marched her armies into Ulad? Emer, get to the castle. I'll find her armies and stop them myself. Kukulin raced to the ford in the river, the only place shallow enough for an army to cross. As he approached, he spotted Queen Maeve and her horde stomping to the riverside. He rode into the river to stop her march. Queen Maeve, halt your men! <laughs> Who are you to command me? I am Kukulin of Ulad, nephew of King Konkobar. Lead your army back to Kanakt, or suffer the consequences. I've heard of you, Kukulin, but even you cannot stop an entire army. Get out of my way. You can move my corpse if you can manage to kill me. Name your champion. I invoke the right to single combat. Maeve stiffened. The right to single combat was an ancient one guaranteed by the gods. Any who dared ignore it would risk facing their divine wrath. Do you intend to fight my entire army, one at a time? Until I lie dead. Or they do. You overestimate your prowess, Ku Cullen. We'll see. Maeve called forward one of her best soldiers. He raised his sword and stepped into the river, eyes locked with Ku Cullen. Ku Cullen hopped off his horse and raised his blade. He stood muscles taut, waiting for Maeve's soldier to make the first move. Ah! The soldier charged forward, swinging his blade with enough force and speed to terrify a normal man. But Kukulin was not a normal man. Kukulin took a single step to the side, missing the swing. He put his foot forward, tripping the soldier, then neatly drove his sword through the man's chest as he fell. A lucky stroke. You overestimate your soldier's prowess. Who's next? The soldiers in Maeve's army shuffled their feet, unsure of what to do. Kukulin stood tall, awaiting his next challenger. Miles away from the conflict, Emer arrived at Maka. She ran up the steps of the castle to find King Konkobar in the infirmary, looking over his incapacitated soldiers as they groaned in pain. Emer, I'm sorry you've arrived at the castle while our soldiers are in such a sorry state. 
Where is your husband? Is he in similar shape to these men? Your nephew is fighting, my lord. The affliction that has affected your men is a curse from Queen Maeve herself. And Ku Cullen stands alone at the ford, holding her forces back. You must help him. Even he cannot face an army alone. Help him? My men cannot even stand. It's best we close the castle gates and hope Ku Cullen can hold the fiends back until our men recover. Uh, do what you must. I won't leave my husband to die alone. At that, Emer ran back to her horse, unaware that a 14-year-old boy had heard her conversation with the king. Ku Cullen swung his sword with strength and fury, his opponent cowering back as he pressed forward with each swing. His blows were mighty and strong, and his foe was woefully unprepared. With one more swing, Kukulin brought his blade across his opponent's throat. The soldier fell, and Kukulin caught what little breath he could. Emer? Kukulin! Kukulin turned to see Emer approaching and stepped out of the river. Why are you here? The battlefield is no place for you. The only place for me is right here, next to you. You may very well see me fall. At least I'll be here to say goodbye. Kukulin wiped his enemy's blood from his lips and pulled Emer in for a kiss. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Kukulin stepped back into the water and met his next foe. Emer watched as he tore the man apart. The sun began to lower in the sky. Kukulin pushed body after body down the river. When night fell, the opposing sides called off the fighting until morning. Kukulin returned to the tent his wife had built, and Emer cleaned the blood from his skin and nursed what few wounds Kukulin had sustained. In only a few hours, Kukulin had slain nearly 30 of Maeve's best men. But the fight was far from over. When the sun rose once more, the fighting began again. Kukulin slayed all who stood before him. By day he fought, and by night he rested. Each battle grew more tiring than the last, and while at first Kukulin left his spars unscathed, as the days wore on, he began taking minor wounds from small mistakes. The opposing army would cheer each time a new scrape or scratch appeared, and even though Kukulin had slain dozens, if not hundreds, of Maeve's men, it seemed like her army never thinned. Even as the banks of the ford were stained red with blood, more men marched forward to add more gallons to the crimson flood. Two months passed as Kukulin whittled away the Kanakta forces. The sun began to set on another day, and Emer grew worried as her husband's normally upright posture had fallen to a stoop and a sway. How soon do you think the curse will lift? Reinforcements must be coming soon. I cannot afford to think about it. I just need... <coughs> if only you could rest for just one day. Enough! It does me no good to think of rest. Ku Cullen marched back into the ford, 
ready to fight his last opponent of the day as the dusk began to settle. The man looked like all the others Kukulin had slain. The faces of his opponents had blended together in his mind. The soldier stepped forward, cautious and clearly fearful of Kukulin. He kept his shield high and his sword low, ready to strike at Kukulin's next move. Kukulin had killed a hundred men who attempted this same approach. He stepped up and feinted his sword. The soldier swung, taking Kukulin's bait. Kukulin met the enemy's blade with his and hastily moved towards the man. But in his haste, he failed to watch his step. His foot slipped on a mossy stone, the minor trip causing his sword to swing wide. His mind disoriented and his defenses lowered, the soldier grinned. The enemy jabbed his sword forward, piercing into the muscle beneath Kukulin's armpit. As the soldier felt his sword make contact, he gave a cry of surprise and triumph. The rest of the men in Maeve's army rose to their feet, and the queen yelled in excitement. Charge! Kukulin jolted backwards in disbelief, putting distance between him and his enemy. Emer stood on the bank, holding her breath, as Kukulin threw off his shield and transferred his sword to his weaker but uninjured side. Maeve's soldier pressed his advantage, raining blows down on Kukulin, whose only option was to block as best he could with blade alone. Kukulin was losing blood fast. The soldier jammed the butt of his shield in Kukulin's stomach, and Kukulin sank to his knees with a gasp as Emer screamed. Kukulin's vision blurred. He could no longer see the man in front of him, just areas of light and dark. Ah, get up, Kukulin! Get up! Fight for your country! Fight for me! As Maeve's soldier raised his sword, Emer's voice reached her husband's ears. With every last ounce of his strength, Kukulin slashed into the darkness before him. The sword found its mark, stabbing the soldier through the stomach. As the man fell, Kukulin withdrew his weapon. The man's body splashed into the ford, and Maeve's army fell silent. The sun dipped below the horizon, and Emer rushed to Kukulin, pulling him safely to the ground. Now that she was next to him, she could see that Kukulin was gravely wounded. She feared that he might not live through the night. We'll delve into Kukulin's fate after this. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now back to the story. For weeks, 
Cuchulain had held off Maeve's army by challenging her soldiers to single combat and killing them one by one. But he had become injured and exhausted, and while Cuchulain had vanquished his most recent foe, he had also sustained a mortal injury. As Cuchulain lay on his deathbed, word spread to King Conchobar that his nephew's death was imminent. The king raced to the infirmary, where his soldiers were still racked with labor pains. Men! Cuchulain has held the ford single-handedly for weeks! Now Maeve and her forces have slain him, and we're going to let them march on our castle unopposed? His sacrifice will be for nothing! Get up, you louts! Shake it off! Fight for your country! Fight for yourselves! Conchobar continued to shout at them, but the men, racked with pain, merely writhed in place. However, his shouting was not done in vain. The same boy who had heard his conversation with Emer heard him speak of Cuchulain's dire fate. The boy ran through the castle halls, determined to help his hero, who lay in Emer's tent, drawing ever nearer to the jaws of death. The night passed with Cuchulain drifting in and out of consciousness. In their tent, Emer knelt over her husband's body, weeping as she watched the bandage on his wound turn red with his blood. You always told me our time together would be short, but I never imagined it would end like this. (laughs) The gods are cruel. Don't blame the gods. I'm the one who lost my footing. You've been fighting for days. You're exhausted. It's not your fault. It is my fault. A soldier lives or dies by his actions, and it appears I've died by mine. You're not dead yet. Don't give up. Give up? Never. I'm merely getting some much-needed rest. Emer watched as Cuchulain's eyes closed and he drifted into unconsciousness. He was deathly white, and Emer knew his end was near. She gently laid her head on his chest and feverishly began to pray. Oh, great gods, please don't take my husband. Please just give him a little more time. Give us a little more time. Cuchulain's vision faded to darkness, his mind slipping into the void. He felt his heart slow to a crawl, its struggle finally coming to an end. Just as he felt his heart still, he saw a dot of light pierce the darkness. From the light flew a small brown wren, its color and size unassuming, but the beat of its wings carried a comforting sound. As the bird neared, it grew, its shape reforming into the form of a tall, handsome man with a shining smile and a face startlingly similar to Cuchulain's. The man pulled Cuchulain into a hug, and with it came a flood of familiarity to Cuchulain. This was his father, the great god Lu, come to say hello. As the sun rose, Cuchulain still lay unconscious on the ground. Emer looked out of her tent to see Maeve, rousing her troops to battle across the ford. Ulad will burn for all it's done to us. 
Raise your swords, men. We march on Emon Maka with none to stand in our way. Emer looked at her husband, pale and on death's door, then watched as the Kanakta forces moved to the river. Her heart sank, convinced that all hope was lost. Then she heard them. In the distance, she saw a stampede of men, not men, boys on horseback riding to the ford. They were boys from the training grounds wearing oversized armor, swords raised in the air. Maeve's forces were stunned at first, and dozens of her best warriors had already been slain by Kukulin. Emer watched as the Ulster boys raced their horses into the middle of Maeve's army, blood flying from Kanakta necks as they swung their blades. You cowards plan to lose to mere children? They may be mounted, but you are men. Cut them down. Hearing Maeve's words, the Kanakta began swinging at the children in earnest. Young bodies began to drop from the horses as the inexperienced swordsmen fell to the opposing army's blades. The battle continued for hours, with the boys fighting valiantly. Yet as time went by, more and more began to fall. Emer could tell that it was only a matter of time before all the boys were slain. Then she heard a slight rustling from beside her. The color had returned to Kukulin's cheeks, and his eyes had opened, refreshed and alert. He pulled the soaked, bloody bandages off of his side to reveal his wound had fully healed, without so much as a scar to mark its existence in the first place. Tears filled Emer's eyes as she pulled him to her lips, kissing him like she'd never kissed him before. Good to see you too. How long have I been asleep? Half a day. Half a day? Surely Maeve's already reached Eamon Maka. No, can't you hear the fighting? Quickly, put your armor on. The boys desperately need your help. Boys? What boys? You'll see. Just hurry. Kukulin rushed to get his armor on, and he stepped from his tent to see the dire shape of Ulster's boy army. Three out of every four had fallen, and the Kanakta men had pinned down the rest. As Kukulin looked at the corpses of the fallen children, he felt his rage building. His blood began to pump with fury, and he felt his muscles and bones expanding. His body grew to twice its size, eyes bulging, anger incarnate. He roared an inhuman roar that shook the region. The fighting stopped as the Kanakta army turned to see a monstrous man charging towards their flanks. The beast reached the men, his enormous arms brushing their weapons aside, his gargantuan strength allowing him to tear Maeve's men limb from limb. The surviving boys cheered, their lives saved, but Maeve looked on in horror as her army began falling faster than she could have ever imagined. She had heard of Kukulin's divine heritage, but she had never beheld its terror up close. Faced with his savagery, she had only one option left. 
Ku Cullen! <laughs> I invoke the divine right to single combat. If you wish to slay my men, you'll have to do it one by one. In anger, Kukulin grabbed one last soldier and tore his head from his neck with his bare hands. The great beast then took a deep breath in and marched to the ford. Kukulin was ready to play this game again. Maeve pointed at a soldier and ordered him into the ford. She knew these men would die, but now she was the one who needed to bide her time. She still had one more trick up her sleeve. She sent a letter to her daughter, Findabar, back at her castle. Find Ferdia in the dungeon and convince him to fight Ku Cullen on the battlefield. Promise him whatever you must. Lie to him if you have to, but get him here. <sighs> Ferdia of all people? I suppose, if it's life or death, Findibar had known Ferdia since they were children. He had always had a thing for her. All men who saw her did, as she was a great beauty. But his freakish skin had always repulsed her. She put on her most vulnerable face and descended into the depths. Ferdia heard the footsteps, but at first he wasn't sure if they were real. He had been locked in the dungeon for weeks, given only small cups of water and a single loaf of bread. He had grown somewhat delirious from hunger and was unsure if he could trust his senses. When the approaching torchlight revealed Findibar nearing his cell, her luxurious flowing hair, soft, sensuous skin, and indelible figure walking towards him in the dark, he grew convinced that she wasn't really there. Oh, fair Findabar, your visage is too striking for this wretch to bear. Quit plaguing my mind with thoughts of hope, for I know I will never see you in the flesh again. But Ferdia, there is still hope for you. These walls will let you go if you swear to them one thing, that you will slay the Ulstermen Kukulin. These walls are full of lies. They will never open. None will come to release me for all of eternity. But I have come. Findibar reached her hand through the cell bars and brushed her palm across Ferdia's cheek, soft and smooth. Findibar, you're really here for me. <sighs> you are fair and lovely and kind. But he is my brother. I swore I would never fight him. What is a brother compared to your country? What is a brother compared to a wife? All these years, you've spurned my advances. My mother spurned your advances. But she's promised land and a title to the man who slays Kukulin. She's even promised my hand in marriage. That's... I don't know what to do. I don't know. He's one man against an entire army. Someone is going to kill him. I want that someone to be you. Only you. Findabar pulled Ferdia into a kiss, and in that moment, his lips pressed against hers, 
her wonderful breath filling his lungs, her magnificent scent gracing his nose, Ferdia's hesitation began to melt away. She was right, he thought. Even Ku Cullen could not face down a horde. What difference would it make to him if Ferdia struck the killing blow? Brothers will clash on the battlefield after this. And now back to the story. Another week had passed with Ku Cullen fighting Maeve's men in the ford by day and resting by night. His anger had subsided and he had shrunken back to his normal size, but his resolve to fight had not waned a bit. He had slain every man who challenged him and not suffered a single scratch. As he stepped out of his tent in the morning, he shouted across the ford to taunt Maeve. Which of your men would you like to watch die today? <laughs> I think your killing days are over. My greatest warrior has finally come to his senses, and he will surely strike you down. Your greatest warrior? I slew him weeks ago. Then, from out of Maeve's tent, stepped Ferdia, dressed in armor and ready to fight. If you speak the truth, then why am I still breathing? Ferdia! Brother, why are you here? We swore we'd never face each other on the battlefield. Young men swear many foolish things. Ferdia stepped into the ford, strapping a shield to one arm and bearing a sword in the other. Surely you jest. The steel in my hand is no mere folly. <laughs> You're still sharp. Good. I would not want this to be easy. Ferdia, stop. We swore vows. I also swore vows to my country, and now the rivers of Ulad run red with the blood of my countrymen. The stench of their corpses reached my nostrils all the way in Kanakt, and each of them fell by your hand. Ferdia ah. swung at Kukulin again, pushing him back. Kukulin deflected his every blow, confused and distraught. Emer watched them fight, tears welling up in her own eyes for the pain that was apparent on her husband's face. Yet as she looked, she saw in Ferdia a similar sort of pain and a cold, quiet determination. She had seen that look before and shouted her concerns to her husband. He's doing it for love. You won't be able to dissuade him. I'm sorry. Is this true, Ferdia? Have you been bewitched by some woman? Ferdia's frown became more pronounced, but he remained silent as he swung his weapon again. Kukulin then could tell that Emer was right. Ferdia would not quit until he was dead. His brother's betrayal would only end with blood. Kukulin felt his rage building up again, his brother's treachery more painful than anything he had ever felt before. His muscles swelled as the warp spasm took over, and he swung his blade with great ferocity. The duo fought with strength and speed that those watching had never seen before, almost to the point where the spectators could hardly comprehend the battle that was happening. 
Their swords flew through the air so quickly they seemed to vanish to the naked eye, and their movements brought them dancing across the ford, back and forth, as each pressed the other in turn. For every hundred blows, only one would come close to its mark. Ferdia's blade would leave small cuts in Kukulin's massive hide, and Kukulin's sword would sometimes send sparks flying as it struck Ferdia's impenetrable skin. Kukulin soon realized that no matter how much strength he had, he couldn't beat a man who was nigh on invincible with a normal blade. He had only one way to win this fight. Kukulin stopped swinging at Ferdia and began focusing on Ferdia's blade. He brought steel against steel with all the strength he could muster and noticed as the blades first began to chip, then slightly bend, then shatter. Both Ferdia and Kukulin's swords broke in their hands, leaving them with nothing. Last chance. Ha! Flee while you still can. Both men turned and sprinted back to their camps. Kukulin rushed to Emer's tent, found his bundle, and unwrapped his package. He pulled from his luggage the one weapon that could pierce any skin. The legendary spear carved from the bone of a sea monster, the Gay Bulga. Kukulin stepped out of the tent to see Ferdia taking a sword from a nearby soldier. Kukulin took a deep breath in and focused, remembering the sacred technique that he had perfected while training under Skatok, the guaranteed way to kill with the gay bulga. He tossed the spear straight upwards and leapt into the air along with it. He spun in midair and brought his foot up, slamming his heel against the spear's shaft. The spear shot through the sky like a lightning bolt, its aim sharp and true. In the split second that it was airborne, Kukulin saw Ferdia's eyes widen, then shut with acceptance. The gay bulga punched right into Ferdia's chest, and the bony teeth of the spear's head shot forth throughout Ferdia's body. The spear's impact had knocked Ferdia off his feet, and the spear's teeth had killed him before his body hit the ground. Maeve's forces froze with shock at the sight of their greatest warrior impaled. Kukulin shook, then fell to his knees. He shrank back to his normal size as he began to cry. Emer wrapped her arms around her husband, comforting him in his grief. For one small moment, everything stood still. Then, from the distance, the horns of war sounded. Kukulin turned his head to see the full Ulsterman army charging towards Maeve and her forces. The curse had been broken, and Konkabar had finally arrived to drive the Kanakta away. The Ulstermen made short work of Maeve's weakened army, yet in the chaos, Maeve herself managed to sneak away. As the army fought, Kukulin stayed behind to bury his best friend, 
the greatest warrior he had ever known. While he had won the battle and Ferdia had forced his hand, Cúchulain had broken a vow after swearing to never face Ferdia on the battlefield. As recompense to the gods, Cúchulain swore to make two more holy vows, or gesa, to make up for his failures. He swore to the gods, first, that he would never eat the meat of a dog, and second, that he would never refuse food offered to him by a woman. The gods accepted Cúchulain's vows and forgave him for his actions, allowing the Ulstermen to celebrate their victory in peace. Ulad celebrated the destruction of their rivals for weeks, and Cúchulain's name became legendary throughout all the neighboring kingdoms. For the next decade, Ulad was prosperous and at peace, and Cúchulain and Ymir enjoyed their time together. The gods had not blessed them with a child, but they were confident that they would have a little one of their own when the time was right. At 27 years old each, the couple was still young and in love. Do you remember, back before you went to train with Skatuk, when you told me about a prophecy? That my name would go down in legend? And that you would die at a young age? I remember. Why bring up such a dour topic now? Dour? The prophecy hasn't come true. You're already old and frail. If I'm old and frail, then you must be a walking bag of bones. All soot and dust on the inside. Dust? I'd rather be carrying a baby. Go to the Temple of the Fertility Goddess and pray for us. And we can arrange for this together. Anything for you, my lady. I'll be back before the sun is down. I'll be waiting. Cúchulain hurried out of town and down the road to the temple. The sun was bright and warm, the breeze was gentle, and it was an all-around beautiful day. As he walked out of sight of the village, he came across an old woman cooking lunch near a large upright stone by the side of the road, a makeshift tent making it clear that she was a traveler. Excuse me, young man. Would you like to stop and chat with me for a while? It gets quite lonely on the road sometimes. I'm sure you're a wonderful conversationalist, madam, but I am in a bit of a rush. Oh, rush, smush. If you stay, I can offer you some of my lunch. Oh, you've spoken right to my heart. In fact, I've sworn a Gesa to never refuse food offered to me by a lovely lady such as yourself. Oh, I'm well aware. Yes, well. Wait, you're aware? Here, dear. Have some of this. What is this? What have you given me? <laughs> Dog meat, of course. What? I can't eat this. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's why I've been waiting for you, Cullen. I'm surprised you don't recognize me. Of course, to be fair, it has been ten years. And I haven't fared particularly well since you and your uncle routed my army and sacked my castle. Cullen noticed for the first time that beneath the wrinkled, sunburnt skin and missing and rotting teeth, 
the woman had the same vicious eyes as the vile Queen Maeve, who he had defeated so long ago. Maeve, you've breathed your last breath, you hateful woman. Kukulin threw the bowl of food to the ground, shattering it against the dirt. He reached for his sword, but he felt his movements slow. His eyelids drooped as his strength seemed to vanish. Neither of us are quite our old selves, I see. Wonderful things happen when you break a geisa, don't they? You witch! Kukulin pulled his sword from his sheath, straining with the effort. Even now, you'd pose a threat to me, were I alone. Only, I'm not alone. Kukulin watched as a group of four armed men emerged from Maeve's tent. He raised his sword and began to back away, but he knew that he was in real trouble. The men rushed forward and began to attack. Kukulin deflected their most deadly blows, but a gash appeared on his arm, and another deep gash appeared on his leg before he could do anything to stop it. Anger coursed through his veins, and he tried to summon his warp spasm. His skin stretched, and the four men backed away, scared of what he might do next. But Kukulin himself knew the spasm wouldn't last. The blood was pouring out of his leg faster than he could have imagined. He knew it was only a matter of minutes before it was all over for him. Kukulin pressed forward, the four men walking back with caution. He looked at the tall standing rock, moved towards it, and grabbed a rope from the side of Maeve's tent. <laughs> what are you doing? What good is my rope to a dead man? You can take it back once it's over. I'm not some common man. His corpse falling to the ground. I'm going to die, standing on my own two feet. Kukulin looped the rope around the rock and tied himself tightly to the stone, keeping his assailants at bay with the sword. The rope held him up, his face violent and terrifying, rage still coursing through his veins. As his life slowly left him, his body stood posed, threatening and strong. His visage was so terrifying that his assailants refused to approach his body. They watched him for half an hour before a bird landed on his shoulder. Kukulin's head lolled to the side at the bird's touch, and Maeve grinned in her vengeance. She had finally killed the great Ulster hero, Kukulin. <laughs> Leave the body. Let this be a message to Kangabar. Maeve and her lackeys left, and when a search party found him the next day, his body was still perfectly preserved, as no animal would dare defile the great hero's corpse. The whole kingdom fell into mourning, but none mourned more fully than Emer. King Konkabar gave Kukulin a hero's burial and decreed that for the rest of time, none should forget the name and deeds of his nephew, the magnificent Kukulin. 
the stone that Cuchulain tied himself to became known as Clockafermor, or Big Man Stone. The stone stands at three meters tall, and it can still be seen in the village of Knockbridge, County Louth, in the Republic of Ireland. The existence of this stone and the persisting legacy of his tale has become a point of modern Irish pride, and some Irishmen speculate that Cuchulain's tale was based on a real person who lived in ancient Ireland. One such man was the Irish author and historian Standish James O'Grady, who wrote in his book The Coming of Cuchulain that Cuchulain and his friends are historical characters, seen as it were through mists of love and wonder, whom men could not forget, but for centuries continued to celebrate in countless songs and stories. They were not literary phantoms, but actual existences, Imaginary and fictitious characters, mere creatures of idle fancy, do not live and flourish so in the world's memory. It is with this in mind that many modern Irishmen sing tales of their ancient countrymen and drink to the legendary name of Cú Cullen. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. You can find Tales, more episodes of Mythology, and all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Several of you have asked how to help Mythology. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Claire Epstein. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Rebecca Ahrens Diamond, Mike Capozzi, Sky King, Kathleen Nielsen, and Mani Breman. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs> <laughs>